die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become glorious. No, I won't give in. I won't give in till I'm victorious. And I will defend. I will defend. That's not true. That's impossible. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. What are you doing? Getting a life. Hello everyone and welcome to the What Up Culture Cast, your source of knowledge for leveling up in the world of popular culture. My name is Trent and with me is my co-host Jareth. Hey guys, so today we are talking about the rumours that surfaced last week about Fox's planned X-Men Cinematic Universe reboot. We will be discussing our thoughts on the existing Cinematic Universe content, what we felt they did well or did not do well, as well as what we would like to see from the future from this series. Yeah, so this is pretty big news. Like, we've been talking about the various different cinematic universes in the sort of past couple of months, both on One Up Culture and the One Up Culture cast. But the fact that X Men or Fox have kind of realised something's wrong with this series and we need to change it is a big deal. Because there's a few reasons why this is big, but most notably to start with, Brian Singer, who was directed four of the X Men movies, um, he is now off completely, he's no longer involved. And Simon Kinberg, who's been sort of producing since first class, is now taking over the writing and scripting duties uh, for the next sort of batch of uh, X-Men movies. So Yeah, when I first heard of uh, Simon Kinberg, I had no idea who he was. I didn't even realise he'd been involved in uh, the previous yeah, films, yeah. producing sense. So, uh, yeah, I had to kind of look him up and find out who the hell he is. But, uh, yeah, should, should still work. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's been involved, and, I mean, personally, I prefer the recent batch of movies, for the most part, from first class and onwards. Uh, so there's a chance he'll still do a pretty good job of it. But it's so hard to predict right now because we literally don't know what their plan is for X-Men. Yeah. Like, at the end of Apocalypse, if you sort of watch the Apocalypse and sort of warning, there'll be spoilers for pretty much all the X-Men, but especially Apocalypse because it's quite pertinent to the discussion. Um, you see sort of what happened at the end of Apocalypse. And it is very much setting up the sort of new series of X-Men and the new actors and actresses that are going to be involved. Uh, sort of reintroducing some characters and sort of putting them into the position to start moving forward. And now we don't really know what's going on with them. We don't know the contract situations for a lot of these younger people. Contract situations for some of the older people, like, they're all expiring. Um, So it's hard to say what we're going to get, but this is big news either way. That's been a bit of a uh, a running theme lately, is some of these big actors' uh, contracts. I mean, we've just had the whole thing with Robert Downey Jr., Uh, and not just him, a few guys from from that Avengers area, the cinematic universe there. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. And we've got some of these younger actors playing Cyclops and Jean Grey in Apocalypse. Uh, so there was a question we had. Are they going to reuse those guys or rehash everything? And, and I really feel like with the replacing the director, it's going to be a rehash. Yeah. Uh, they're really going to be going from, from scare, square one. Um, but it raises the question with those actors from Apocalypse, did they, with all of this going on right now with uh, contract ex- contract lengths, have they been signed onto quite long contracts to be you know exclusive comeback for X Men or not? Um, and you know, if if so, is that a waste? by, by uh, Fox getting those guys on contract and then having to use other people for the same parts. Yeah, because this is kind of the situation that really comic book movies and superhero movies in general are sort of at the crux of. Robert Downey Jr. As sort of mentioned was kind of the first one because he came onto Iron Man when superhero properties were still kind of finding their feet, especially as far as long-term uh, mainstay success goes. We hadn't really had anything confirmed by that stage. And we have to give him a lot of credit because Iron Man, 
it b- broke out. It was one of oh, the yeah. massive films that really started this whole uh, craze, especially with Marvel, obviously. Um, yeah. It arguable to say that the X-Men uh, universe it, uh, last uh, that, that started in 2000. Yeah. So we've had 17 years of that. And that is a Marvel Cinematic Universe. But for the sake of conversation and, and all of our conversations, we really do separate those two timelines those two universes and and kind of have the fox marvel universe as well as the other uh so i don't really count it as a marvel universe but it is it's it's not um, it's not marvel cinematic universe and that's kind of distinction um, yeah into they're owned by different companies at the end of the day so i mean even though you can see x-men in your marvel comics uh, Sony owns, uh, Sp- did own Spider-Man, sorry. They yeah. still half own Spider-Man. That's a weird contract situation. Fox have the honour of having the X-Men universe and the other universe, which they just know how to handle perfectly, the Fantastic Four universe. Yeah, But to their credit, they also have Deadpool. Yeah, but it, it's sort of, that's funny thing. Like we talk about Deadpool and yes, he comes with the X-Men package, but he isn't really a full-on X-Men member. Well, that brings us into an, a kind of another point we have, which is, uh, and speaking of contracts, that uh, Hugh Jackman has said he's done mm. with, with being Wolverine. And, yeah, and he's his been... last movie next year is Logan. Logan that's, coming out. That's it for him, which is literally he's been there for 17 movies. Yeah, 17 years. 17 years, it feels like 17 movies. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so he's been doing this for 17 years. I think it's a, it's a good point to be saying, yeah, I'm done. And uh, over those 17 years, we were talking about his career. And obviously his most recognisable role because mm. of the amount of times he's revisited is going to be Wolverine. Definitely. Uh, but we've got a, a, a other movies. We both very much like The Prestige. We were talking about that before as Ooh. being uh, yeah. our favourite one of his movies. Uh, we've also got him on stage, on screen. Tony's hosting. It's going between him and Patrick Stewart. So... Patrick Harris. Harris, sorry. <laughs> Patrick Harris. Patrick Stewart would be brilliant, though. Just that guy, yeah. any voice. You were still stuck in the X-Men universe, that's all. I really was, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's going to be interesting as well. But the thing that they were saying was that, uh, yeah, Hugh Jackman was kind of the star power that they were kind of centering a lot of this around uh, after then because... Mm. James Masterson was a was a star, you know. He had he had quite a name for him. And himself. that was Scott Stewart Summers in of itself was yeah. quite a big name as well. And Ian McKellen as Magneto. True, I yeah. guess we can't. Halle Berry as Storm. However, yeah, Halle Berry was a big one. It's actually about, quite a. But, considering the superhero movies weren't that big when they started, they got some big names for yeah. it actually. Um, and guys like Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, uh, they didn't become big because of this movie. Oh, Whereas. Yeah. Hugh Jackman did uh, mm. this movie really catapulted him into some of those leading roles, uh, and so it's kind of been centered around him. And and we've got another one now that there's a lot of people are kind of saying Ryan Reynolds is going to be kind of the the centerpiece because of how well Deadpool did, uh, especially considering the amount of money they spent to make it. Oh so yeah, it's very it's a very ridiculous impressive. sort of uh, ratio of spending to making. Yeah, yeah, and actually, um, earlier this year we did uh, the movie draft with the, yep. the a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and De- Deadpool actually rated quite high on all of our lists, mm. and Apocalypse did not. Well, I-, I think Deadpool's probably been the most widely accepted of the superhero movies this year. Maybe except for Doctor Strange, that's done pretty well. It's still a bit too early to tell for sure. But as far as like everyone coming out going, yeah, that was really good from the comic sort of groups. Deadpool's really stood out, whereas Apocalypse has almost universally been the one that's like. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, in actual fact, we we did kind of a mini movie draft between the the four members that we had do the 2017 movie draft for the One Up Culture multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So it was One Up multiplayer, um, and so the four people that we had were uh, Dylan, yep, Trent, Mel- Melissa, and myself. 
Uh, and so we actually have here, uh, I have in front of me a little list of who everyone chose. We'd really like if you guys give us a comment, let us know what your list of these... Oh, people will uh, be commenting on this, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, of, of these movies uh, and, and, and what you think. But the five movies that we were rating were uh, Doctor Strange, Deadpool, X-Men Apocalypse, Suicide Squad, uh, Dawn of Justice, and uh, Civil War. Yeah. So of, of those five movies, th- this was the order. We had Dylan uh, put... Dawn of Justice first. Ooh, controversial. Controversial. Uh, and originally said Civil War, then Doctor Strange. Uh, but after giving a little bit of thought, has actually put Doctor Strange second, Civil War third, Deadpool as his fourth uh, as his uh, fourth pick there. We've got X-Men Apocalypse and then Suicide Squad to, to finish it out, uh, which kind of su- surprised me actually because Dylan said that of those two movies, Suicide Squad was more rewatchable. But was more of a, a letdown for him. Yeah. So pretty much everyone involved in this uh, would probably admit to being DC fanboys first and foremost. So you kind yeah. of you'll see uh, really with all of us, um, Dawn of Justice maybe like in Dylan's case probably got a bit of an advantage because it's Batman and Superman. Where Suicide Squad probably got hurt a bit more because there was that level of disappointment in handling some of the characters. Or yeah, that's really not so point. much the characters, but I think just the story because that was the biggest letdown for Suicide Squad. Then we had my picks, which uh, I, I put Doctor Strange first. Mm. So I was fortunate I'd, I'd actually seen Doctor Strange and then Deadpool for me. Uh, Doctor Strange was a better movie, but Deadpool for me was, was my favourite movie of the year. So it came in second because I didn't think quality-wise it was better. Uh, and then we had uh, Civil War, Dawn of Justice, Suicide Squad, and uh, X-Men Apocalypse was the, the worst of these. And, and that's kind of something we had with, uh, with the rest of us. Was yeah. that we, we really the, other, had... the other, both myself and Mel had Apocalypse last. Yeah, and, and Dylan did you want to read second... through yours and, and Mel's Yeah, picks? well, um, sort of, if we're going through mine just quickly, I had Dawn of Justice at number one. Um, I will defend that movie. I know people don't like it. Uh, I think it's far better than people give it credit for, although I recognise the flaws that people say that it has Doctor Strange came in at number two for me uh, followed by Deadpool then Civil War I had Suicide Squad fifth and then yeah I had an X-Men Apocalypse last um, and Mel just to round it out she actually had Deadpool number one so it's quite pertinent to our discussion here she had Dawn of Justice then Civil War Suicide Squad and then Apocalypse bring it up so for her pretty much the uh, X-Men movies are on either side of the list yeah. and, uh, that and, was and the, the other more... thing was uh, Melissa hadn't seen Doctor Strange yeah, so sorry. that's not in her list yep. um, and I just realised I didn't go through the rest of mine actually yeah. so uh, yeah I had, I had Doctor Strange first and then Deadpool uh, then it was Civil War Dawn of Justice Suicide Squad and X-Men Apocalypse so as you can see those last few uh, are, are pretty much the same with all yeah. of us just Swap and and, and it's not just us four that's kind of had this impression. Um, X-Men Apocalypse, is I, from everything I've gathered, is maybe not universally considered the worst of the bunch because there are people who say Squad and Dawn of Justice were worse. Um, but whereas they have their fans, I've not really heard anyone speak highly of X-Men Apocalypse at all since it came out of you. No, I really, no. I have not. Uh, and that is kind of what we're we're talking about here that yeah. it, it kind of failed uh, especially in box office wise as well uh, compared to some of the others uh, and and th- that has probably a very large part to do with why we are looking at a reboot now uh, and, and why they're looking at you know, kind of resetting well, just, this just to give you an idea of how X-Men Apocalypse because it's one thing to say oh yeah it did bad at the box office if we don't give you any sort of clarification for that it's just mindless droning on Here's the numbers that did. you just call my. Would you just say I was mindlessly droning on? No, but if if nothing came on after that, it'd just make you look yeah, like okay, a propaganda. Yeah. This time, safe. This time. You threatening me again? Yeah. Okay. No worries. 
it worked out really well for you last time. Here I still stand. Well, sit. Um, so we had X-Men Apocalypse. It did $544 million at the box office. Okay, that's quite a bit of money. I wouldn't mind having anything that I produced make $544 million anywhere. Yeah, especially since our podcast is making $0 right now. It'd be a nice increase for sure. But just to give you an idea of what those numbers mean, because it sounds like a lot of money, perhaps until you start looking at the wider picture. So Days of Future Past, which was the movie that came out before in this mainline X-Men universe, that made $748 million. So we're already looking at pretty much nearly $200 million more. Now, it costs a little bit more to make, but that ratio is not enough to sort of justify. And generally, you want these sequels to be on the up and up, not falling. Uh, In comparison to Deadpool, now keep in mind Deadpool cost $58 million to make, so a lot, lot less to make, more than, you know, three times as less. It then made $782 million at the box office as an R-rated movie. So you're knocking out really what you would argue is one of the main demographics which are people under 18 families yeah you you can take your kids and the parents go along and you get multiple ticket sales out of that group going Mm. if you've just got the parents going because they can't take their kids you you have instantly you're gonna have all of your ticket sales so i mean the fact that you know both of those movies did substantially better noticeably better and then you know that 544 million dollars it's also done less money than winter soldier uh, Thor 2, Suicide Squad, Man of Steel, Dawn of Justice, both amazing Spider-Man movies. And, of course, the second one did $700 million. And Sony were like, oh, no, this isn't working. It did, however. Obviously, we don't have to mention The Avengers because that's blown everything out of the water. But it did do better than another Fox movie, Fan 4 Stick, which oh. did a massive, massive uh, $168 million at the box office. Ugh. Yeah, that's right. And, and that didn't even deserve $168 million at the box office. But that kind of gives you an idea that you look at um, X-Men Apocalypse and it was riding the wave of not only a pretty highly touted Days of Future Past, a lot of people like that movie, myself included, and really two strong X-Men mainline movies in a row, First Class and Dawn of, uh, Days of Future Past. It's not only that, it's also riding off Deadpool, which is in pretty much any way of checking the best and most successful X-Men movie that Fox have produced. So it's riding all of this sort of positive hype and all this strong sort of knowledge from fans going into a Fox-released X-Men movie and to do those kind of numbers. Now, some of it was affected by some negative press leading up to it. People didn't like how Oscar Isaac looked. Um, A few questions about what are they going to do, how they're actually going to pull this off. But that shouldn't really be enough to have it drop as much as it did. You know, people went to X-Men Apocalypse. They weren't impressed. They didn't tell people to go see it in the cinemas. And Fox have kind of gone, well, this isn't working for us. Maybe also, you know, with some concerns elsewhere, which we'll be going into in a minute as far as contract goes, um, I think they just kind of realised we need to change something up here. Yeah, it's not all bad for Apocalypse, though. Uh, no. As far as the uh, this context where we are looking at a reboot, uh, Apocalypse actually works quite well as a finisher for this for yeah. this uh, current cinematic universe that we have for the X-Men world. Um, they wrap a lot up, actually. And, and it really does give us a point where we can start anew and, and move forward. So I, I do like it for that. Uh, and, and if it had been made for that purpose, it was a success. But it wasn't, unfortunately. That wasn't why this film was made. You, you want to know what would have also made a good sort of finishing off point? Days of Future Past. That was yeah. perfectly set up to end the old timeline and move into a new one. To call an end to everything. Because it literally wrapped up 
just about every story from those five X-Men movies prior. Wrapped up Wolverine's story, wrapped up uh, Jean Grey's, Scott Summers, Beast, Professor X, Magneto, all these characters kind of had everything wrapped up into a neat little bubble. And then we go into Apocalypse, and they go back into the 80s, whereas they sort of finished off Days of Future Past in the future. Um, they come back to the 80s, they reintroduce these characters. Uh, Scott Summers gets a new actor in Ty Sheridan. Uh, Jean Grey gets a new actress in Sophie Turner of Game of Thrones fame. They bring in these new characters, and then we're literally at the point now, of, oh, we got one movie with these guys, what's going on now? Yeah, it, it almost felt like that was the start of a reboot, mm. uh, even though it wasn't. It was literally continuing on. Uh, but yeah, we had all these new actors who were, were quite good, and, and, and I feel like have, they would probably want them to get, have kept going uh, yeah. had that movie done better, but it didn't. So we have to look at that. And it's kind of hard to... do you, If you bring those decent actors back who potentially are on long contracts, how you... I mean, you can explain it, you can sort of maybe not even touch it, but how are you going to involve these guys and have the fans accept that this is a new universe, but, oh, there's a couple of these characters here that we've already introduced, and then you have to reintroduce them because it's technically a new timeline. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with, with X-Men. Uh, we have so many alternate timelines. that They, they can do it, yeah. but it's getting very confusing, which is evident by Deadpool's uh, line, you know, saying... Patrick Stewart or Al McAvoy, you know, these timelines are getting confusing. Uh, it's true. You know, they, they get kind of confusing. Uh, we do finally get to see the birth of a bold Professor X in Apocalypse. So, yay, you know, it does kind of bring things... And apparently losing hair, his hair ages him so much in the next 10 years because in 10 years' time from uh, Apocalypse, he's meant to be Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Not all of it makes sense. <laughs> but. I think for me, like... Again, like you're more of an X-Men fan than me, but what I would like to see him do with the reboots and re- uh, sort of changing, not so much a specific storyline, it's, and it's more of a thing they shouldn't do. I don't want to see Professor X and Magneto at war. We've had six straight movies of the exact same conflict, just rehashed and redone for the sake of getting these guys involved. Now, obviously, Professor X, if you're doing a mainline sort of X-Men story, he's going to be important, and that's perfectly okay, and I think he should be an integral part because he's a very valuable character. But I'm sick of seeing Professor X and Magneto with these kind of pseudo-philosophic sort of battles over what's right and what they should be doing for the mutant race. Can we get something new? I agree. And they have got somewhere they can go with this. Yeah. Uh, and that is that they're friends. They have been friends for many years. And, and it's kind of uh, a concept that readers and, and viewers kind of struggle with at first, trying to figure out like, why are these two friends? They have such opposite... Um, you know, wants and needs and desires, things that drive them are so very, very different. Uh, and, and you see that, yeah, these guys have gone through a lot together and they really are friends. Mm. Uh, and, and I always thought that was a great dynamic, kind of struggling that, you know, I don't want to hurt this guy, but I have to because he's doing something I don't believe in. We didn't get, we see glances of their friendship, which I liked, but yeah. I would have liked more of that. Uh, and so, yeah, maybe not painting Magneto as, as a bad guy. Yeah. Or even just keeping him in the background for a movie or two. Yeah. Because literally every mainline X-Men movie, he's been a, a catalyst character. Yeah. Um, even the, even when he wasn't the bad guy, he was still, you know... Yeah. The, he the kind of forced himself into the story one way or another. Yeah. Um, yeah, Days of Future Past is the closest thing, but even then he still plays quite a bit of time as the antagonist. Yeah. I mean, um, First Class, we don't see him. He's, he's a good guy yeah. all the way through First Class and the... You know, he's literally working with them against the But there's still that central conflict there where he wants to go about yeah, it differently. Yeah, and, and through that entire film, it is, it's like an origin story of how he's mm. going to end up against uh, uh, 
Patrick Stewart, I was going to say, but how he ends up against uh, Charles Xavier. Yeah. So it is still, uh, he is still the bad guy. It's just kind of seeing how he comes to that point, mm. which I liked. I did like to see that that uh, kind of human side of him and that you know he's gone through some pretty awful stuff that shouldn't have had to go through. It's yeah. changed him, understandable. But uh, yeah, he, he was still a bad guy, becoming a bad guy in that film. So I see what you mean. Yeah, and and also like we've now had six movies of Mystique. Now she wasn't as prevalent in the original trilogy, I guess you could call it, although she did have a pretty decent role. Obviously, since Jennifer Lawrence took over as Mystique, she's been front and centre um, to the point where they restrict the amount of time she's as Mystique because that doesn't look like Jennifer Lawrence, so they have to change her to look like Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, well, that's the uh, perfect point there, that it looks like Jennifer Lawrence. And I think just the casting points out exactly the difference between the, you know, to Rebecca uh, Robnane and um, and Jennifer Lawrence is that one of them was a model who got cast as an actress because she was good-looking. The other one was an actress who'd mm. done like, all of these, these movies and, and actually had quite a following that people were like, actress we want to see her act so yeah we do see her in less of that blue mode less yeah. less of the mystique yeah it shows with the casting on that one <laughs> the, the difference and i guess the other big question is we're talking about characters that have been plastered all over the x-men universe there is of course the immortal wolverine when it comes to this we've had as we said hugh jackman for 17 films we know now that he is finishing up with logan uh next year which could very well be the final movie in this current x-men timeline because patrick stewart's in that as well but you kind of feel seems like it yeah, like if they're going to reboot this universe, finish it off on Logan and start afresh, do you want to see a new Wolverine in the, this rebooted series or do you want to maybe see them do X-23 instead? What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, see, this is a really, really difficult one. I don't think you can redo Wolverine straight after because this is literally immediately after we mm. finished seeing him as Wolverine in the, the current series. And as, as you just said, could be the very last film that we see in that that timeline is going to be a Wolverine film uh, even though of the bloody 87 movies we've had over the last 17 years 50% of them are either a Wolverine Origins Wolverine goes to Japan or or, uh, or Logan you know? Wolverine goes to the past yeah yeah Wolverine goes to the past uh, so yeah it, it, we've seen a lot of Wolverine yeah. over this time so, uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a movie where they literally cut him completely out of it mm-hmm. and we get to see yeah that, that new lineup um, but I just don't. I think people are going to kick up a fuss because you know that Wolverine is a a very marketable character yeah. and a very recognizable character within the, uh, especially in a universe like this, which has um, a lot of your characters just look normal. They mm. don't have any costumes. They don't have any kind of distinguishable features. I mean, we've got people like Beast who are quite obviously a mutant, but people like Scott Summers just looks like a guy in glasses. Yeah. Jean Grey just looks like a woman. You know, there's nothing distinguishable about them apart from what we know of them as characters. So you kind of need characters like that that mm. are marketable um, because it's making these movies isn't about entertainment. It's about making money. Oh yeah, first and foremost. Uh, un- unfortunately, as, as a viewer, we would like to think that they're making these for the sake of entertaining the masses. They're making these for the sake of taking money from the masses. Let's not get that confused. We, you know, yeah. That's the way it is. But uh, yeah, I think I, th- I think they're going to. Uh, well, I, I think that's where X twenty three is kind of the way they can go about it because it's still Wolverine esque. She's her own character. She is unique, but it still gives them a chance to use a Wolverine character without going back to same old, same old Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for those that don't understand yeah. what we're talking about, I just realised uh, that uh, it's basically a yeah, female Wolverine with 
nails in like long mm. uh, adamantium nails. And she's a clone of Wolverine, isn't she? Yes, she is. Yeah. Uh, in the twenty third clone, incidentally. Way. It's, yeah, it's kind of. Um, so she's not a. Obviously, she's a woman, so she's not a clone. Uh, she is a clone of his uh, healing factor, ah, yeah, uh, which has you. been inputted into her so that they could do the the adamantium. Because basically, at the moment of. Uh, you know, at that that point, the only person in history who has been able to go through that procedure is Wolverine because of his healing factor. So they're trying to replicate. Yeah, they're trying to replicate that in in some yeah. other subjects. So yeah, that that that's the uh, the story there. Yeah, I, I think X twenty three is probably the way to go in that aspect. Um, it also, I guess, you know, gives the female viewers who are making up more and more and more of these films another character to kind of relate to I was just about to say we get a badass chick character yeah, who's and, and not... it means there's no guy who has to follow up the Hugh Jackman performance because I mean that's brutal that's rough no one should really have to I mean we talked about how tough not on here but just in general how hard it was for Jared Leto to have to follow up Heath Ledger and that was one movie that was just like one point in time Wolverine's been Hugh Jackman for some people's entire lives like yeah. they've been born into the world knowing Hugh Jackman as Wolverine yeah. Um, so for someone to have to follow that up is really rough. Um, do you have anyone in mind? Like again, this is literally putting you on the spot. Do you have anyone in mind you'd like to see as X twenty three? No, no, I haven't thought about it. I'm yeah. sure there'd be a long list of people I would have thought of, uh, but unfortunately, through your entire thing, then I was literally just thinking about how this is. We've seen this exact situation before, except for one difference, and that was in Terminator. Uh, in Terminator, we had one film where Arnold Schwarzenegger came out and really set himself as a character. Um, so we didn't have that. He'd been doing it for mm. 17 years, super hard to replace him. But then in T2, we do get a female Terminator. Uh, we T3 literally, was the T3, female sorry, Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, T, T2, we actually just getting to come back. Sorry. Yeah. So we had two films. Literally, I'll be back. Uh, that is that one. And Asla Vista, baby. They're all in that one, the <laughs> second film. Uh, and also th- the third film I really liked because of the ending that you know, we worked all the way to avoiding something and then it happens and we find out that's how all of these movies kind of started. Mm. I, I really like that. But yeah, we saw a female Terminator, um, which kind of, you know, not trying to follow up, uh, not trying to follow up Arnold Schwarzenegger's performance, but changing it and, and it worked and I could definitely see it working yeah. again. We see what happens when they try and do a male Terminator and we get Genesis. Ouch. Yeah. I, I don't want to get too much into it, but Genesis was nearly a lot better the way they were going to finish it. Mm. But we're not talking about Genesis here. No. Although, incidentally, talking about Terminator... Here we um, go. Pardon? I said, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's highly relevant because it comes back to my talk of fan casting X-23. She was in part of the Terminator franchise. Summer Glau. What do you think? Hmm. That's what I think. Oh, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we've, we've kind of saw it in the movie Serenity. Yeah. Uh, her kind of take out lots of people in a big fight scene. Uh, look, I, I really love Summer Glau. I think she'd be fantastic in any movie. Uh, and we've seen her in that kind of role before. So, yeah, I, if she mm. could do it. Uh, yeah, she would be on my list of people I would like to see uh, as, as X-23. Um, that, that This is what I mean, though. There are so many possibilities. Oh, there's plenty of people uh, that can I call I definitely on. like your, uh, yeah, your thought process mm. there. I thought you might. Mm. Um, I've chucked that left field at you with that, but I thought, yeah. And and one of the things I'd really like to see with uh, X-23 is kind of going with the... We're talking about a character that's probably not going to be in the this reboot but mm. we would like to see her in this the is reboot. pure speculation we, uh, we don't even know if there will be a reboot this is just discussing the rumors yeah yeah um so yeah we've got this this character she's a girl uh feminine thin small I, I would like to see that that same kind of dynamic 
that we had from Firefly, wherein it was quite surprising that you know this tiny little, quite flexible, athletic, uh, was taking out all of these you know quite heavily armored, well trained fighters, uh, and 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 I love that, and I think we would love we would get an excellent. Uh, kind of comparison and, and different opposite side from we have big muscular Hugh Jackman who's very manly in the way he fights if we had a more feminine style of, of fighting with X-23 it would change a lot of those comparisons between Hugh Jackman uh, his performances Wolverine and the new performance of X-23 uh, because literally they'd be fighting differently they wouldn't be intimidated the same they would look different not only gender, but in, in everything about mm. the characters, they could change it and really have this as a, as a completely new character that we have seen in the uh, X-Men cinematic universe already, um, but didn't get a really a main role. He was just a, a villain. So, uh, yeah, I would, I would love to see her. Yeah, um, just sort of moving forward as well. Uh, if they do sort of reboot and rechange all this around, the one character which theoretically will remain a constant is Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool. Um, even Which though is he's kind of funny because he's not an X Men. Yeah, he's not really an X Men, but he, Fox got him as part of the package, and they must be so happy they did. Um, especially after they butchered him in X Men Origins, like that's the biggest reversal turnaround from the same actor that I can actually think of performance wise. Yeah, no, I, I can't. And and in with X Men Origins, I actually love the way they started it. In the very beginning of that movie, they have Wade Wilson as literally the mercenary with the mouth. Yeah, I, I liked him for those first five minutes. And yeah, and I thought, oh wow, that is perfect. And I didn't expect him to come back into the movie the first time I watched it. I thought, and we wished he didn't. And we wished he hadn't because yeah, they had actually set him up so very yeah. well before that point. But uh, then they literally sewed his mouth shut. Yeah. That is Trevor levels of ignorance and stupidity when it comes to source material. I like that that's become a thing on this podcast now. Like everything that's awful is just Trevor level. Yeah. Trevor level. The Trevor level is high in this one. Um, so yeah, I mean, Ryan Reynolds, we know like they are doing Deadpool 2. They've had troubles. They've lost their, uh, they lost their director. They also lost the person in charge of the music. Um, so some of those are creative differences with Reynolds. So it will be actually be interesting to see what happens with Deadpool too. But we kind of know that he's going to stay the same. And I feel like if they do reboot the universe, there's a great chance for Deadpool to kind of crack some jokes about the world that's changing and all that. And yeah. you kind of mentioned these uh, joke with McAvoy and uh, Stuart, which was actually my favourite moment in the movie. And I was so disappointed that I was the only one in the cinema that laughed at that particular joke. Really? Nice screening. I kind of laughed pretty hard at the... I'm touching myself tonight. That, that that got me. I thought that was pretty funny. It's yeah. an R-rated movie. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but uh, it, it does... Well, they're going to base these around the existing actor in Ryan Reynolds. We have a few other existing actors whom we're not sure if we are going to get to see uh, mm. because we've got uh, Hugh Jackman who said he's definitely not going to be... Yeah, his contract on. is done. He's done with Wolverine. 17 years of keeping in that shape. I don't blame him. Yeah, no. Go do what you want to do. <laughs> Go eat a cheeseburger. Or several. Uh, um, but we, yeah, we've so we've got Hugh Jackman who's not coming back. We've got Jennifer Lawrence who is just so busy right yeah, now. Contracts done, and I so think it would cost things. Fox like the literal cost of owning this franchise to get her back. Yeah, and uh, and and on top of that, we've also got a bunch of the other main cast members that you would probably bring back for a reboot. You know, so, so to say, you know, kind of tie everything together a little bit. Uh, we have people like uh, Michael Fassbender whose contract is up. Oh. 
we've got people. Well, pretty much all of your original X Men are yeah. done. You know, they, they've got James McAvoy, McAvoy, Nicholas done, Holt, done. done. Uh, that's so. For those of you who don't know, uh, by their names, the actors. Basically, all the people that are done. We've got Wolverine's not coming back. Mystique, the current actress, is too busy to come back. Mind you, Mystique's the easiest person to recast. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> it's literally uh, just like, oh, I'm changing my opinion. Unfortunately, on now. that note, uh, also Nicholas Holt is quite easy to re- replace, yeah. really, because uh, he's beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also losing our young, young Magneto and Michael Fassbender, and our young uh, yeah. Patrick Stewart in McAvoy. I keep calling him Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Charles, Charles Xavier. Clearly he's done well. He was into just the, role. the perfect casting. Yeah. I cannot think of anyone except for Patrick Stewart to play than yeah. an older Charles Xavier now. I mean, that's the thing. Like, the fact that all these contracts are literally ending more or less at the same time does make the whole reboot concept easier because you're not hanging on to one or two of these big name contracts and actors. Um, so they literally just do, okay, we're doing X-Men, uh, just a new universe now. They don't have to reference these guys. They don't have to reference the past X-Men timelines. Literally just start it afresh and go from there, basically. Uh, that'll work fine. And it actually works well that all these people are gone. It's the ones we were talking about before. Ty Sheridan as uh, Cyclops in Apocalypse. Um, Sophie Turner as Jean Grey in Apocalypse. They're the awkward ones because they have been signed on... I, don't know the full length of their contract, but it was more than one movie and probably five or six movies after this one. And, you know, did they just get rid of those contracts and start afresh? That's going to be the challenging thing in what they want to do, really. Yeah, there are two very distinct possibilities mm. there, which is they recast everything or they do try and keep those guys who they already have. Now, I think they have to recast. They're, as yeah, good as they were in that role. I like both of them, but yeah. if you're going to start afresh... If you're lingering on to old actors and stuff, it's going to be too confusing. You know, especially for casuals who aren't listening to podcasts where they dissect rumours about reboots. The average person is just like, oh, a new X-Men movie. Oh, they were in the last one. Wait, what? Is this completely different? Yeah. yeah. No, uh, so uh, those they definitely have you know, the pros and cons of each, which we do have some established actors that have played these parts before. And... And have experience in other other areas, such as Game of Thrones with Sophie Turner and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree. We need to start from scratch. You've mm. you've got an opportunity where all of the you know, instead of looking at it as a as a disadvantage that you have cast these people in a con a contract that gives them multiple years in the future, they can come back and and redub these roles. Just just say no. We're done. Yeah. Recast. Start from scratch. Reboot it from the beginning. Hey, instead thanks. Of, bye. Trying to hold on, yeah. Cause instead of trying to hold on to some of some of what they did have, um, it, I don't think it's going to work. Uh, part of these rumors that came out as well also revealed potentially where they're hoping to go with this series. Um, I mean, obviously they want to do a mainline X Men universe, and they have to do it soon because they don't want to lose the rights to Marvel. And I feel like they're not going to try and cut a deal like Sony did with Spider Man. Uh, we'll talk about whether they should or not in a little bit. Um, but one of the things we've heard rumors of is they also want to do a New Mutants series that will run sort of alongside the mainline X-Men series. At the moment, Josh uh, Josh Boone is pegged to sort of be in charge of those movies. He's behind The Fault in Our Stars, which came out a little while ago. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they go down that route. I actually would prefer them to do something like this where it's not just one series focusing on the same characters, but sort of offering up these opportunities for different groups of mutants and different mutants in general to kind of get a little bit of the spotlight and avoid just all this continuous continuity of one main storyline but again you're a bit more x-men savvy what do you think about that potential new mutants series i would i would love to see a new mutant yeah. series uh and and it also brings me something else i was saying which another a television series i think would work really well would be deadpool 
Deadpool, uh, the television series. Yeah, I could see that working really well. Uh, and for the very point that he can break, you know, that fourth wall and, and just kind of have uh, guest appearances by, you know, for example, you know, Jessica Jones or uh, Luke Cage. You've got all of this, you know, Daredevil, all of that new Defenders uh, series. Do you think Fox and Marvel would join up for that since they're technically Netflix. owned by... Um, Netflix but still uh, owned the by Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, yeah uh, well, Marvel, Marvel owns both, so it, that, there's no difference on that on that front. The only difference is who's making it, and that's Fox and Netflix. And I think, yeah, that would make sense for them to 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 do to uh, bring a series in. And it is so easy to you know have him break that fourth wall and have characters from other mo- uh, other television series in his and have him appear in other other sh- uh, shows. I think that they could they would do it, but. Uh, sorry, I think it would work. I don't think they would do it. I, I don't see Marvel Studios yeah. allowing that with Fox unless they got something more out of it as it, well. Um, yeah, it's, and yeah. Deadpool's working on the big screen. Why transfer him? I mean, yeah. all of those other names I said, apart from Daredevil yeah. and Electra, who's getting a series. Uh, they haven't had their own movie, hmm. uh, and let's not talk about it. It's just ones. more like what we'd like to see. Yeah, it'd I be cool to see Deadpool mess with Daredevil. I, yeah, I feel like, exactly. <laughs> I feel like a Deadpool television show would work so very well. Uh, but we're not going to say it because. Hmm. Yeah, off another but uh yeah new mutants could could definitely be a, a another one that would transfer quite well um because yeah we have drama there we have uh, interactions between those characters that can be dramatized what is the new mutants series. again for people who maybe don't know the comic series or stuff do you want to just there's too many people to go through all of them uh but what makes it different from x-men they're all young they're a coming of age story where they're teenagers and within the x-men world the universe uh, when you hit puberty that's when your uh, powers start to form which i think makes perfect sense mm. it's and a we've good seen analogy that. yeah and we've seen that in a lot of series like harry potter is another one wherein you know you start to hit puberty and you come into these powers and whatnot so it's the exact same in that sense but uh, yeah that, that's what the new mutants are they are new mutants so they're kind of new to this whole mutant thing and uh, they get trained by x-men every now and again but for the most part they're not connected they're not the same team um we've got uncanny x-men we've got x-force we've got canada one we've got them there everywhere they're all over the place but uh so we don't have the x-men team becoming too big uh so yeah we've kind of got some of these offshoot arcs i was doing a little bit of research uh beforehand i did read that apparently um the negasonic teenage warhead in deadpool is kind of meant to be the beginnings of the new mutants in the cinematic universe is that maybe she'll be involved and put involved yeah, in that, in that team sense. in some way or another. Um, it's just kind of been discussed and rumoured if we haven't heard anything concrete that she will be a part of the new mutants down the track. I'd be down with that because I'd like to see more of, more of her. I liked her role in Deadpool. Yes, that was, that was good. She worked um, quite well and you can see how she'd bounce off other potential X-Men. A, another well. one I think would work quite well because uh, she fits in is Jubilee. Uh, I was mm-hmm. saying that I think... We'd actually get to see Jubilee's powers for once. Yeah, exactly. Which, uh, as far as transferring to a movie is concerned, she throws fireworks. How is that not going to look good on screen? Uh, and a lot of people are like, oh, her powers suck. She throws fireworks, people. How is that weak? There is more to, like, again, in Apocalypse, the deleted scene uh, in the mall, which, of course, got a lot of buzz around it. We do actually get to see her use her powers in some way. She kind of uses it to jig the arcade machine so they get to play for free. Um, so it's more than just like, ooh, pretty colours going everywhere. Um, yeah. Although, she, mind you, I'd like that power. She can use them. Yeah, she can use it offensively. We see her... Mm. Uh, uh, when we don't actually see her, but through other content, we, we see her using that to open up locks, like dropping one in, a, in a, a dropping some fireworks in a lock. And 
we, we see her, yeah, messing with machines and VCR players because this was the 90s when she was invented uh, and, and introduced, <laughs> so VCRs were a thing. It's not the restriction of your powers, it's your restriction of your imagination. 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 It's not for that. Uh, but yeah, I would like to see her. And uh, I, I don't think she was ever involved in the New Mutants, but I would just want to see her somewhere. Chuck her in. Yeah, just chuck her in. She there. might actually get a chance to shine in one of these movies. Shine um, like Dazzler. Uh, one, one more character that I feel like we have to mention, if only because my co-host here is a bit of a fan of this one oh, character. I was going to ask who this was going to be, but now I already, I've already figured it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty clear for Jarrah. Um, my favourite X-Men. We've had the rumours of a Gambit movie now on and off for a couple of years. Like, it's happening, it's not happening, it's happening, it falls off the radar. Channing Tatum, I think, is still connected to Gambit at last I hope I so heard. because that's like, some great casting I heard, he, I, I heard he wasn't and then he might still be like who knows what's going on with that movie. I heard yeah there was a conflict of, of with him but and then he's still keen to be doing it so yeah. I, I don't know and, and now that there's you know this whole universe might essentially be rebooting not that we've really had Gambit like, we had him in X-Men but everyone's sort of ignoring that movie as a, as a rule of thumb yeah. um, and Days of Future Past more or less wiped that from the current timeline in anyway. Apocalypse anyway so we can get a different uh, Gambit as it is but um, if they're rebooting the universe whatever plans for Gambit technically can still be on the table but it might also have to be changed whether it is Channing Tatum's still involved or he's not involved um, would you still like to see that solo movie or would you prefer to see him incorporated as perhaps a leader of this next realm of X-Men no I would definitely like to see him as uh, in his own standalone yep. uh, I think there's enough there with the League of Thieves of which Gambit is a member uh, and, and the League of Assassins of which he is not uh, uh, they kind of have their conflicts and I think there's a lot there that we can use uh, and, and I mean Gambit has he's an anti-hero he's a good guy who used to be a bad guy who you know learned how to steal from people but then started doing it the right way I mean, and this is a character that um, both of us have uh, tend to, to gravitate towards why I think I've gravitated towards him in characters like that the big anti-hero who's doing the right thing uh, sorry doing the wrong thing for the right reasons uh, and, and Mal Malcolm Reynolds is just the example that pops straight to mind every Han time Solo. I think of it Han Solo yeah those those guys that might be going around about things the illegal way like but shooting first doing Greedo yeah no, Greedo died and did not shoot first anyway uh yeah I, I like these kind of characters because they have layers they're not straightforward superman this is why i'm not a fan of superman because he's quite boring to me he's boring if you don't know how to use him and i will make i'm not the biggest superman fan um but if you use him properly he's a fascinating character and a character study on humanity as well yeah well, but it the, is a difficult character to yeah, get right the, the biggest issue with superman is is giving him uh, kind of human problems yeah. because he's not you know he is a superman so you, you kind of have the issue of you know like where is his struggle where is his conflict and, and i think if you can introduce some conflict whether it be a love interest whether it be some kind of problem with you know the world disliking him th those those are good storylines to go with with uh, superman um, but I think any character wherein your creator says, we made him too strong, what are we going to do? You're going to have a problem moving forward. Oh, yeah. I think for me, when Superman in the comics at least was at his best, is when the threat to, you know, threat wasn't so much Superman, but the people. 
and like obviously you're not gonna hurt superman you're not gonna kill superman unless you create like a doomsday or something which is it does get a bit tiresome and ridiculous when you're just creating all these ridiculously strong characters to combat ridiculously strong characters but when you've got someone like superman where the whole point is i need to save everyone's lives that's where the threat that's where the challenge needs to come from so you write stories where superman's not a threat but everyone else is as not so much can superman help people but how many people can he help yeah can he save this city can he save this country can he save lois lane does he save lois or does he save metropolis that's when superman's a fascinating character and that's when something that really Zack snyder and again i like man of steel i like batman versus superman but they haven't really explored that properly and this is where some of the complaints for man of steel came from was all these people died superman didn't try and save him and i get it because there was a kryptonite he was preoccupied as well yeah but that's there's a story there that they could have told really effectively where it's like yes he's battling general zod but all these people are dying and if they just kind of showed superman thinking oh i need to save them and then getting punched like four miles away Mm. that could have made that conflict so much more superman-y most definitely yeah and and coming back to to x-men that's the kind of coming back to the right other franchise yeah Uh, that's the kind of conflict that i wanted to see them show within cyclops that you know there, there were people dying but he has to pretty much put the the needs of the many above the needs of the few so he has to you know make a decision of you know i need to stop for example in, the, in that instance you know, i need to stop general zod because if i don't everyone's gonna die yeah but in doing so a lot of people died mm. during that fight which he couldn't do anything about but he has that conflict of wanting to save people but having being put you know in in scott's situation being yeah. in that forefront being in that leadership role and being responsible for his team mm. and, and what they do, you know, his decisions could change everything as, a, as opposed to, you know, what, what's, what's, uh, who, who survives if they're successful, if they're not successful. And, uh, yeah, I didn't see any of that conflict through the movies. I would like to see more of that showing that he's a nice guy who really cares and, and he's generally very well liked amongst the X-Men. And literally mm. the only person who ever dislikes him is Wolverine. Uh, and you know, they have other other reasons, but literally, he's one of the most well liked characters, despite the fact that he's a hard ass on the battlefield, and he, he says the hard things and makes the hard choices. But I would that, have liked to see that. They missed the humanizing aspect of his character, probably for the sake of streamlining. But it did hurt him a lot in that story. The, yeah, the three original. X-Men also, movies. I mean, in that first movie, it was very, very much so a Wolverine centric, rogue centric movie. I yeah. think they probably didn't want to put too many conf- too many storylines being thrown around at the same time. It mm. would have been quite confusing. So uh, that that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll start wrapping up this particular episode. But, you know, the elephant in the room, of course, is, you know, as we're seeing X-Men struggling to work out what they're going to do uh, under Fox's banner, we're getting the cries that, you know, Fox should sell it to Marvel or create a deal similar to what Sony have done with Spider-Man. Um, my personal opinion, uh, and it's going against, I guess, the uh, majority as far as voice goes, I don't want to see that happen. And I get that people trust the MCU and trust Marvel Studios more so than Fox, and I completely get that. I get that from previous content. They yeah. definitely have earned the trust of the people. Yeah, but my issue with this is it's simply chucking too many A-list characters for Marvel to try and juggle. Because you look at the current setup that Marvel have with their movie flow. There's a lot of big-name characters, and a lot of big-name characters to come. Now, even if they brought them in after the Infinity Wars, so you're looking at about 2020 or whatever, which they wouldn't wait that long to introduce them if they did sell. But now, all of a sudden, along with your Iron Man, your Captain America, your Thors, your Hulks, your Doctor Strangers, all these other big-name characters, well, big now, 
uh, Miss Marvel, Black Panther, when they come through. You're dealing with Wolverine. You're dealing with Professor X. You're dealing with Sops. You're dealing with all these other huge characters. I don't trust Marvel to be able to handle all these characters and still introduce us to a Guardians of the Galaxy level heroes because that's where Marvel are at their best when they're saying, screw it, let's just try something new, let's bring in these lower level characters. That's when Marvel Studios is more interesting to me. And if they get the whole Wolverine, uh, get the whole Wolverine, they get the whole X-Men roster, we're not going to see that because they don't have time to pump out 10 movies a year. They just don't have that. Yeah, and my biggest issue is that if... Marvel had X-Men as well, all of the Fox movies, as well as the, the movies they're already making uh, leading up to Affinity Wars. They're going to try and link X-Men into mm-hmm. that. That's a problem yeah. because right now, and, and it's working, X-Men is happening in a different world, a different whole universe than all of these other Marvel movies, and that's not the case. Uh, for example, in Avengers, we see that final big scene, the very first Avengers, that's New York. Mm-hmm. There's aliens coming down... Where's the X-Mansion? It's just outside of New York, which means all of that was happening on in the back backyard of the X-Men. Why didn't they come and help? And that's because up to this point, we're separating them. They're not the same. They, they get their powers in a different way. You know, they're just completely different worlds. And, and even Guardians of the Galaxy, it is believable. That still happens in the world of Avengers, of uh, all of those not necessarily the the X-Men. So I, I think they have to keep them separated because it's going to be too confusing otherwise. Yeah, uh, it's, um, that's, they are my main concern. I get why people want X-Men with Marvel. I get that. Really, the, the main reason I would want that to happen is not so much for the cinematic universe, it's for the comic universe. Because right now the X-Men brand is just getting ignored, more or less by Marvel, because there's no profit in them from the cinematic aspect. They kind of push them to the side. Same with Fantastic Four. Um, they're just kind of being pushed aside. And given how... Let's not talk about Fan Four stick. No. Well, I mean, I would fully agree Fantastic Four need to go to Marvel. Because, okay, Fox, I, I, they've done okay with the X-Men universe. They've had some bad, They've had some missteps. X-Men 3, X, uh, Wolverine Origins, Apocalypse. But still, they're batting at a pretty decent average. I like the Wolverine. The first two X-Men movies were good. I liked Origins bar a few things. And unfortunately, there's a few things. Deadpool was a mega one yeah. for me. But um, I, I think apart from that, they, they did a good job of yeah. that. I had a lot of issues you with Origins. Maybe yeah. we should do a podcast on that one then. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of a comparative one. Yeah. But I mean, for the most part, they've done decently. They've not necessarily hit movies out of the park, except maybe First Class. But it's not... But they haven't done DC... <laughs> see what did there with the, the DC link? Yeah. What you did there, I you did saw, see. Yeah, it. I did, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I get why they want to move this stuff in. I just, yeah, I'd rather Fox do it well, uh, and I do believe they can do it well, uh, rather than Marvel having to juggle 50 different balls. I mean, it would have been fascinating to see what DC would have done if they'd sold off Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman. And they're like, oh crap, what are we going to do? We don't have our A listers. And then suddenly we see Plastic Man get a movie, and it's amazing. Yeah, that would have been cool. Obviously. Yeah, that would have been really cool, actually. Yeah, and that's literally what Marvel did. Iron Man wasn't an A-list hero before Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. He was a B-level hero who got raised to the A-level. That is a big call. He wasn't. It's revisionist history, in my opinion, to say Iron Man was an A-level hero for Marvel because they had Spider-Man, X, X, the X-Men. They had um, Fantastic Four. They are all far bigger characters than Iron Man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it would be the equivalent of taking out the Justice League. Like if they'd sold the rights to the Justice League um, to, you know, Paramount or something. And so you lose all these big level heroes. 
you know, Plastic Man, he had his moment in the sun here and there, but he wasn't an A-list hero. But then if he got like a Robert Downey Jr. actor who came on and made a Plastic Man movie and it was amazing and changed the face of superhero movies, then suddenly, yeah, Plastic Man's pretty damn awesome. And that's kind of why it's hard to look at Iron Man as not being an A-list movie because of what has happened yeah. with him. Right now, you can't imagine that word without him. I mean, Civil War makes no sense mm. because it's literally Captain America's team versus Iron Man's team. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, all of the Avengers films, all of the films we've had with Iron Man, it, um, except for the third one, um, really <laughs> added to the, uh, to the cinematic universe and, and he has become such a mainstay. So, I mean, Although the second one you could pretty much ignore. It, yeah. it, it adds a war machine, but it's, that's about it. But it, it wasn't that bad. It had Sam uh, Rockwell. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. When he, when mm. he came in to, to the universe, they had a lot of other uh, products which were of bigger names. Yeah. It's just... Uh, yeah, when you said it, I was like, that's a big call for now, but that's because yeah. now Iron Man is so great. Yeah, important. I'm talking so, pre the movie. Yeah, no, I definitely see what you mean. Because they were forced to use him. They're like, crap, we don't have all these big names. We want to make some movies. Who are we going to use? Oh, we'll give this Iron Man character a go. We feel like there's a good story to tell there. And there was. Yeah. And yeah. they got the perfect actor for it and showed. And then they did it again with Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, we're talking Iron Man being B level to start with, Guardians was Z level. Like, that was the thing when Guardians was announced, everyone was kind of like, who, 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 who? And they. Ooh, ooh. And then after the movie, everyone's like, yeah, I know Guardians. They're awesome. I always loved them. Shifty eyes, shifty, shifty eyes. Shifty eyes, shifty eyes, shifty eyes. And we're going to see it with Black Panther in two years' time. We're going to see it in Doctor Strange as well, I think. We'll see people saying, I was always a big Doctor Strange fan. Like, yeah, sure you were. Yeah, and then we're sitting over here on this podcast like, we actually were. So, you know, <laughs> go away. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that we want to be those hipster comic fans yeah but, but we we were cool we, we were cool first yeah Although well we weren't cool first but we knew who Doctor Strange was first yeah. I, don't know I, I had to look up Guardians of the Galaxy I didn't have a clue about them I'll admit when that was announced I was like uh, let's do some searching I had that. 100% heard of Guardians of the Galaxy before the movie heard heard yeah, I had heard. no idea who they were or <laughs> I, yeah. I might have heard them but I, was, I had no yeah, idea no, I was aware of who they were hmm. um and kind of where they fit into the space battles yeah. and whatnot. I mean, I'm, as we said, quite quite a bit of a, an X-Men fan. I kind of like uh, Corsair and, and all of the... Um, not going to go into it, but all the space <laughs> side of, of X-Men, which we haven't really seen through the cinematic universe. And, and that's something that I would like to see them in this reboot do. Maybe uh, explore a little bit further into not what's happening on Earth necessarily, yeah. but the fact that, yeah, the X-Men universe is literally a cinematic... It's a universe. Mm. Uh, and, and there's stuff happening all over the place. There's space pirates. I mean, Cyclops' dad is the captain of a space pirate ship. I would love to see that inclusion. Yeah, that sounds like a movie right there. Yeah, exactly. So, um, But, you know, we're not going to see mm. that most likely. I would love to see that. A Star Jammers, <laughs> a Star Jammers movie is something that I would, yeah. I would push for. And there's some, some characters there that would, would do very well. Um, I realise we're just talking about things that most people aren't going to know. Most people aren't going to know who the Star Jammers are. Yeah, well, I mean, like, part of this... But if you don't, look it up. That's why we're mentioning it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we don't really have the time to mention everything here. We're tr we've tried to cover it as best we can. Because it is one of those things when we're talking about a property like this and they're coming into potentially rebooting everything and trying new things. What are they going to do? Um, and just because you might not be fully immersed in the X-Men lore beyond the movies doesn't mean you can't start to look into stuff. And hopefully, potentially, you've listened to this if you aren't a big X-Men fan and gone, oh, this new mutant stuff sounds kind of interesting. We might look into that. Or Star Jammers. That sounds fascinating. And of course it does because just, yeah, you know, that listen to what Jareth just explained it as. 
I want to check that out. And then you look into it and you get exposed to this giant lore of comic history. The movies hasn't necessarily made the comic industry bigger. People tend to just wait for the movies to come out, which I fully get. But there's so much to find in the comic books that you just are never going to get. The Dark Phoenix saga, we're never going to see that properly done to its full extent in a movie. Unless we got it like a TV series and they literally had the time to go through it bit by bit, week by week. We're not going to see that. And it's understandable and I'm fine with it. Mm. Absolutely fine with the fact I'm not going to see that. Because I have been fortunate enough that I already have read through that. I've seen... uh, another uh, interpretation of that so i'm fine with that but, but don't be like afraid it. to pick up a comic book and i'm not saying this to be like oh comics are better than movies because they're often not necessarily but there's so much that you can see and read and find out so much more about these characters and discover new characters that you'll suddenly be doing what we're doing and saying oh, i want to see x in this movie i want to see y um, yeah i mean there's the source material has so much hmm. that uh, that if yeah if you enjoy so much a movie quality too yeah if you enjoy a movie if you enjoy a character or the development then uh, yeah i would definitely suggest looking at the source hmm. material it came from finding yeah. out where that character was created and maybe some of the other um stories that that we get hinted at in these movies because this is something that a lot of people don't realize that most of these movies have hints hmm. and little tips tips of the hat to the to the source material they get overlooked by most people masses of people that go and watch these movies are going to miss most of those and uh yeah you'll kind of get a little bit more out of these movies if so yeah if you enjoy a character i would suggest looking into the source material and future movies you may get more out of it and and then you get to be like us and when a character's announced you're like ah i know that character and then you get to sound smart and And intellectual oh yeah yeah And, and who doesn't want to sound hipster at the end of the day me i don't want to sound hipster at the end of the day yeah so uh, anything else you sort of want to say on this x-men reboot before we uh boot this podcast to a close (laughs) no i think we've covered it all then i just yeah just went over just then yeah yeah so yeah let us know what characters you might want to see as well or how you want to see the the reboot handled because there any characters that are that you would like to have seen that we haven't seen actually sinister would have been quite interesting who Sinister? Oh, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Sinister. Yeah, yeah, I think he'd be quite... As you kind of mentioned, he's connected with Cyclops and Jean Grey to an extent. Yeah, I It'd mean... It'd be interesting to see him involved. Yeah, he's a genetic scientist, mm. mutant, who's trying to create the perfect mutants, basically, through yeah through science. And, uh, yeah, it is a very... It would be a very interesting character, I would like to... And especially with um, the realisticness of, of X-Men, because that's kind of what it was. X-Men were created after uh, a lot of these Marvel characters that we've yeah. seen and Stan Lee actually said he's kind of sick of having people bitten by spiders and hit by radioactivity uh, and he said I'm just going to have it as a natural mutation uh, natural mutation you know people just have these abilities uh, and and in that he's kind of made it based more in the science mm. and the genetics and and so I liked Mr. Sinister and I would like to see him in the current kind of movie verse because of what we have seen with Nolan bringing a more realistic gritty look to uh and batman is obviously catered to that kind of realistic but uh sorry x-men they could really have quite a gritty series of movies here um with yeah a lot more seriousness than flamboyance and and over the top that we get in some of the other marvel um so yeah yeah, fox have an opportunity here to to do something a little bit different with their reboot i don't think they're going to i think they're going to try and stick with family movies what they yeah. at the end have, of the day but, um, it's the dollar dollar bill exactly these movies aren't being made for entertainment they're being made so the studios mm. can make money yeah and uh, hold on to the franchise in the case exactly of it, it's unfortunate but it is just a side effect yeah. that uh if the people like the movie it makes money so they try and make movies that you like 
but uh, yeah, no. It's all about the money. And on that note, look us up on Twitter at One Up Culture, and also check the WordPress. Uh, Got to get through that and Google us One Up Culture. You'll find everything. We're going to bring this uh, episode of One Up Culture Cast to a close. I've been Trent. I have been Jareth. That's game over. <laughs>